Lord Jesus, the word of truth. As we stand before you today, we pray and we plead. That as I stand and communicate your word using my voice, your spirit will help us to understand and be transformed to the glory of God the Father. In the same name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The thing is kingdom lifestyle. Wonderful thing. And I told the Lord I was to go to bank on uh, Thursday. Sorry, Friday. And I said, Lord, kingdom lifestyle. I want to make it practical. If it is true, everything you have said about the kingdom lifestyle. Look at that uh, Matthew chapter 5. You remember the Beatitudes? People call it the beautiful attitudes. It's the summary of the kingdom lifestyle. And I told the Lord, one of the things there is meekness or humility, as some translations will render it. I said, Lord, I want to prove the kingdom lifestyle today. So I went to the bank. I was to cash a check. I was putting on my collar. But you know, I know a bank manager there who had helped me. I would have just walked across with my collar and gone ahead to cash the check. But I said, I want to prove the kingdom lifestyle on that Friday. So I decided to stand on the queue. I didn't want to abuse the privilege. I decided to stand on the queue. And you know, when you stand on the queue, you don't know those who have come. You see some people loitering around. Before you know it, somebody will stand on your front and tell you I'm here on the line. So that line was a long, widened line. And as I was waiting patiently, two women came and stood before me. I didn't argue with them. And the line was uh, getting longer. And both of them were even arguing who came first. And I was there. Lo and behold, a security man came who identified when I parked my car and said, Please, Reverend, you park behind somebody who wants to go out. Come and remove the car. So I was about to go. He said, Give me this check. You ought not to stand on this line. I just gave him the check, went in, reparked my car, and before I came in, he had submitted my check to the cashier. And immediately, the cashier called me, come, leave that line, come here and wait. I waited for a few seconds. All those people that were struggling on the line, they were watching me. And before I knew it, I collected my money and I left. Why do I say so? The Lord, the Bible says, he who abases himself will be what? Exalted. And as I was collecting out my check, my money, I was singing in my heart, Jesus, That was what I was singing when I was leaving the hall. And I made it practical. It was the day I realized that truly, brethren, everything we are talking about kingdom lifestyle is a reality. Practice it in your life. You are going to see that the Lord is going to fulfill it in your life. Hallelujah. Back to the message today. Topic says what? It doesn't matter. Really, what a wonderful topic. It doesn't matter does what? You know, whenever I come to this chapel, I listen to the prophecy 
if there is a drama, I watch carefully. The reason is that I, I always have a key message I think the Lord has laid in my heart to give to the church. All other things I will say are embellishments. So that if I say that message, if you like, you can sleep. Because some people have the fund off. Their mind will turn off as the, as the sermon is going on or they will sleep off. So I start with the message I think the Lord has laid in my heart. So I was listening to the, the prophecies that two of them that came. I said, ah, you know, it took time. The other second one took time. You know, some people may not understand what is the message the Lord is going because it was prolonging. But I, I thank God the chaplain, the chaplain in charge summarized it. Seek the Lord while he may be found, while it is there. Despite the noise of battle, victory is sure. That is the message. All this rigmaroling for 20 minutes. That is the message. And I say, God, is it related to that message you gave me? I opened my, my sermon book. I looked at it. I kept quiet. What I wrote there. Then the drama people came and started acting their drama. And I don't know whether you know the message they are passed across. Let me tell you the summary of their drama, which is exactly the message the Lord gave me. And I think I will say it and then we'll continue the sermon. Listen. Many believers now find it difficult to differentiate between the worldly lifestyle and compromising with worldliness from the kingdom lifestyle because they lack commitment to the Lord. Did you see the message in the drama? I didn't discuss anything with them. That is why I love the Holy Spirit. He is a God of harmony. When he wants to send a message to the church, he delivers it in diverse ways, in varieties. But he says the same thing. So I thank the students that gave this drama. Because God is making the message clear to us. It doesn't matter. Really matters. There is something Mommy Ruby used to say. Mommy Ruby, I want to remind you. You may have forgotten. She will say, the greatest deliverance you will do for your child is the one you will do when you bring up that child very well, when he is less than six years. Don't wait when the child is an adolescent and you want to do a deliverance. You are wasting your time. Kachuba Ewoji that's actually what the, the way I look at this topic it doesn't matter we really matter do you know the scripture that is closest to this topic Song of Solomon chapter 2 verse 15 do you know what is there take away the little foxes the little forces that spoil the vine. I remember when I was growing up as a child. 
I'm an Enugu boy. I grew up in Enugu. I was eight years old that time, living somewhere in Hawaii. I remember my neighbor. My father was very strict on us. We couldn't, we don't move out, even if he goes to work as a civil servant. We then not move out of the compound. Even if we're there, we hear the noise or the horn of his vehicle, we'll run back. But there is this other, my neighbor, the same age mate with me. In the morning, he leaves the house. He comes back by 7 p.m. But the day he came back, the day gates were locked, he climbed the wall. That day, the father beat him. The father never scolded him. That day, the father was forced to beat him. And after beating him, the, in the evening, the father came back with Syria and was telling the child, sorry, that I beat you. And you know, little children, he was holding the Syria and eating and looking at me and telling me, you thought you were laughing at me when I was beating. Now I'm eating Syria. And I was watching, as little children, I was watching this child. But brethren, do you know what happened? Many years later, I was posted to the chapel of Pentecost as the chaplain in 2006. The chapel started in 2004. 2006, there was the ministry we had to the asylum. Psychiatric hospital chapel, asylum. You know, it goes together. And what did I find? That young man that was my friend that I lost touch with, that the father was bribing with fear, ended up in the asylum. He was an armed robber. It does not matter at that time. But it has come to what? Matter. It really matters. So, I want to bring it home to the Bible, what we are discussing today. Because we use the scripture. What Jesus himself said about the things we call trifles in the commands of God. Things that we think don't matter. He says, all of them matter to God. They must be fulfilled. And that is why as I told the Lord, what is it that does not matter that matters? The Lord led me to worldliness. That it is a canker, canker worm that is destroying the church today. I want us to look at something. Let's look at the issue of kingdoms. Remember the thing. Kingdom, lifestyle. And the world, worldliness. Jesus warned, you are in the world. But you are what? You are not of the world. Do you know the person in control of the world? The Bible calls it the God of the world. Small g. Satan. And Jesus is in control of the kingdom. The lifestyle of the world is distinct. Just as the lifestyle of the kingdom is distinct. Whether we like it or not. What is spearheading the worldly lifestyle is the are two spirits. The spirit of Jezebel and Balaam. The spirit of Jezebel and Belam. You are going to see that proven in the scripture as we are going to go through. The ultimate demand of the world is disobedience to God, to the word of God. But the ultimate demand from the kingdom is obedience to God. That is why the Lord told the children of Israel, 
in Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 23. It's not sacrifices that I demand from you. What I have demanded from you is that you should obey me. That it shall be well with you. And that is why in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, do you know what it says there? If you are willing and obedient, you do what? You eat the good of the land. The principle of God is very clear. That is why I want to lay this foundation. First, understand the meaning of that message. We are the Lord. I've just read out to you. That many of us can no longer differentiate between worldliness, worldly lifestyle, and the kingdom lifestyle. I want to tell you the reason. The reason is because of two preaching methods that we hear today. And many of our youth, thank God today is an medical student's day. Anatomy Students Day, Medical Laboratory Students Day, three of them. But I watched students, young men. If you watch the drama, there are some aspects of the drama they brought out. What is appearing to them now? That is now destroying their faith. I want to bring out those things very clearly. Two Gospels. One, Libertine Gospel. Two, prosperity gospel. They are confusing the youth. They are confusing the church. You may say, what do I mean? Do you know what the Libertine gospel people preach? They take the grace of God to the extreme and say, come as you are. Do whatever you like. You have been saved. And as I said before, what is driving them is the spirit of Jezebel and Balaam. The same spirit that is driving prosperity gospel preaching. And it's confusing the young men. Confusing the church. I, I read about, today I, I looked at my brother, Churchill. I hope I'm looking at Churchill, missionary. Yes. There are these Prosperity gospel preachers from America that I read in the media. One has bought and is planning to buy a third private jet. And he gave a reason why he should get that third private jet. The reasons will always be there. That the reason is that he will be able to preach the gospel all over the world. Brethren, it's not, it's not a good uh, reason. It is a good reason. But I'm looking at my brother here, missionary from Portacot, River State. I hope you know him, Churchill. I know they go to Riverine area. Do you have a private boat or yacht? Do you have? You don't have! But they still go to the Riverine area. These people that are justifying this about owning three private jets in order to reach the whole world. I want to ask them a question. Have they gone to North Korea? Are they going to Iran? But do you know there are missionaries in North Korea? Hope you know that. I, I didn't know. I thought it was a closed society until President Trump caused three Americans to be released. And one of them was a missionary. And I asked myself, does this man own a private jet? No, he doesn't. So it's not a reason. It's not a reason to, to possess. It's not a reason for worldliness. But these are the reasons 
that these people are given. I want to have to a closer look. You may say, what is even this worldly lifestyle we are talking about? We have talked about this in so much. What is it? Anatomy students are here. I want to dissect. And in dissection, I want to make it open. Do you know the scripture we are going to use? I want us to use 1 John chapter 2. 15 to 17. Not this eternal truth. I want to say this eternal truth before I continue. Becoming a disciple of Jesus means conversion from the world to the kingdom of God. Becoming a disciple of Jesus means conversion from the world to the kingdom of God. You need to be converted. There are two worlds, two territories, the world and the kingdom of God. Now, let's look at 1 John chapter 2. 15 to 17. When I was preparing this message, does anybody have the message Bible? The message? Yes. I, I, I don't want to promote translation, but I want you to read it for us. Message Bible, First John chapter 2. 15 to 17. You know, in King James Version, the way it is rendered is so popular. Love not the world or the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the lust of the flesh, the lust, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. They are, they are not of the Father, they are of the world. The, but I want, uh, there's a way the message rendered us. I want to bring it clear. Yes, my brother, let him read it for us. The message Bible. Listen very well. Don't love the world's ways. Do not, don't love the world's ways, yes. Don't love the world's goods. Ha! Don't love the world's goods. Love of, love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically, everything that goes on in the world. Practically, everything that goes on in the world. Wanting your own way. Hey. Wanting your own way. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting to appear important. Wanting to appear important. Has nothing to do with the Father. Has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. It just isolates you from him. The world and all is wanting. Gesente. Gente now. Wanting. I love that rendition. The world and all that is wanting. And all is wanting. 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 Is on the way out. Is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants. But whoever does what God wants. Is set for it. Is set for eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that translation. It, it makes it practical. Wanting, wanting, wanting. Is it not the problem with Nigeria? That is why the word of God is living. You know, sometimes we get used to some translations. Like I have King James here. We get used to it. But when you, you look at another perspective and dissect that word of God, it brings clear to you what you see every day. Very, very clear. But then, why we are paying attention to this about worldliness is that in the drama and even in the prayer 
One of the students prayed and said, God, deliver the youth from social media and fashion. Do you know what he prayed? I listened to every prayer. And I say, this is an aspect of worldliness that I want to touch on. And you may ask me, why am I particular about this? You know, when it comes to that, people don't want people to go towards that. Look at what happened. Let me tell you. To give you an idea that even the worldly kingdoms, they know their rules. And they silently operate it. What's more the kingdom of God and the church? Look at what that, that uh, wedding that happened the royal wedding. In the social media is a buzz. People are posting the pictures of that wedding. Using it to teach even some of us who call ourselves Christians. And what are they trying to teach? They are trying to teach simplicity. They looked at the bride. The dressing of the bride. How simple she was. It's like she was being an example of what a Christian should look like. I don't know how to say to. They look at. Now, do you know the intriguing part of it? You know she was a Hollywood uh, star, from what I heard. So, naturally her friends came for that wedding. Hollywood stars, all manner of mega stars came for that wedding. But I don't know, I watched that wedding live in the service. And all of them came. And, I, and as, the, as the camera was showing them one by one, and I saw they were all decently dressed. I said, what? What has happened to these people today? These people that some young people in Nigeria, and even some people in the church, are copying. In the type of fashion that they present. In the type of worldly fashion that they show. They showcase. But in that church service that day, they dared not. Why? Because there was a silent unwritten code by the royal family. That you dare not come to their children's wedding anyhow. Have you watched the queen? How the queen appears? The way she has been appearing since uh, you know her. The same way. So it's one of, they, they didn't broadcast it in BBC. That you must come this way. But it was an unwritten code. And they had to respect it. But what is happening to the church? What is happening to the kingdom of God? People dress anyhow. People cannot, people look at the child of God these days in the church. You cannot differentiate a party. And it's because of some gospel, libertine gospel preachers. They're in our midst, they're in Nigeria. We know them. Go to their churches. They are misleading the youth. Let's say the truth. Defense has gone. And you look at the child of God, you cannot differentiate the child of God again from a prostitute. Why should it be so? And say it does not matter. It matters to God. It's a spirit of Jezebel. If you doubt it, I don't know whether you remember that story. When Jehu wanted to kill Jezebel. You remember what the Bible says that Jezebel did? The Bible says she arranged her hair, painted her face, and sat on the window. The news, that message Bible, Rendered it very well. He says, she sat seductively on the window. That's the spirit of Jezebel. And if you, if you think that the Bible does not operate on a principle, go to Revelation chapter 2. The Lord recalled about Jezebel again. When he was warning the churches, 
either the church in Thyatira or the church in Pergamon. Two of them was warning them about Balaam and, the, and then the Jezebel. Telling them that he led my people to immorality. Indecency in the church. We say it does not matter. That's what these gospel preachers are preaching. Libertine gospel preachers. Prosperity gospel preachers. Whenever you see these two gospel messages being preached in any church, any denomination, the unifying factor is worldliness. That is what is promoted. Christians can no longer show themselves distinct as members of the kingdom lifestyle. There is a lifestyle of the kingdom. There is a lifestyle. The Bible says here, as my brother read, that these things will pass away. One thing, one thing, one thing. You want to appear this way, the others appeared. I remember when I was growing up in the 70s, to tell you that these things are ephemeral fashion. That time, Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5, we are the in thing. You see, do you know how they appear? These young men don't know how they appear. Afro big hair. Tight shirt and bongo trouser with a double decker or triple decker. You know what is the double decker shoe? A shoe that is a high heel shoe. That's the way they appeared. And Nigerians, the youth in Nigeria quickly copied. And I remember my brother bought his own bongo trouser, tight shirt. And double decker. We are about to travel home. And he was rejoicing that he was going to show off. And showcase it in the village. You see young men that time. They will be on the double decker. And they will be walking. Majestically. With their bongo trousers. And do you know what? The Lord taught a lesson. That, that, that time you, we went to the village in the 1976. He wanted to showcase a young man. That equally wanted. Still one day through the window. Of us and stole the thing. So my brother could not showcase the bongo and the double decker. And he wept and wept. And whoever stole it was rejoicing. I caught a treasure. If I give it to this young man today, he would throw it away. We would like a double decker. What we wear today are flat shoe and tight, tight what? Opposite of what? The bongo. Can you see that? The Bible says these things do not uh, lie. They will keep on changing. In the next 10 years now, we may go back to that uh, bongo. But whoever does the will of God, what does the Bible say? Stays forever. Anybody that is simple, look at the queen. I'm sorry I'm using her as an example. Whether she's a Christian or not, I don't want to know. Simplicity, she remains that way. That's what God expects from the child of God. That's what you expect. Hallelujah. I'm going to end very soon because my message is not going to be long because God has passed across the message. You know yourself. I know myself. The two prophecies today have said it all. Seek me while I may be found. Despite the noise of battle. Because you know, this noise of battle we are seeing include worldliness attracting us. Yes, they can make us become casualties. This worldliness. That is attracting the church. They can make us to become casualty. But God is assuring us, if we seek him, why he may be found, victory will be what? Us. And as my brethren showed in the drama, remember, 
Whatever you sow, you shall uh, reap. That's one of the messages they showed us in the drama. I underlined it. Whatever you sow, whether in your life, in your life of your child, or in your family, you shall reap. Finally, I want us to read First Timothy chapter 6. You may tell me, I mean some people, I know some people here now, something tells me. Some people here are, are, are trying to say, well, what do I mean? Uh, all these big men of God that I know, that preach prosperity. Uh, are they no longer big men of God? What do I mean? Who am I to even challenge them? Uh, after all, there are miracles that, that are attached to their ministries. Eh? Don't I know them? I, 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 don't you watch television? I see them. Eh? Miracles. Eh? This, but I want us to read the Bible. That's why I'm afraid. Why I'm afraid and why I'm bringing this message is that the Bible, the scriptures that I'm going to read now and with which I'm going to end this message gives a final destination. For people that preach this type of message. You are going to see it in the Bible. First Timothy chapter 6. 3 to 5. I want to read from King James Version. Does anybody have a living Bible here? Living Bible. Thank you my brother. You are going to read another one for me in the living Bible. But I want us to read... Um, First Timothy chapter 6 um, 3 to 5 from the King James Version listen very well the person writing this message is our brother Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit and he was writing to a young man <laughs> so in other words, Timothy could have been in the generation of these anatomy students. Medical students. Some of them that are here in this chapel. Some of them that are sincerely seeking the Lord. Wanting to stand in the faith. He was writing to such a person. Now, because the word of God is living. Because the way you were written so many years ago, you can apply it to yourself today. Now, look at how this message can apply to the young man. For the young people today, who may be asking me, I would not like to mention denominations or the men of God, but as I am mentioning the characteristics. Look at, the Bible says about these people, verse 3, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the doctrine which is according to what? Godliness. Is it worldliness? <laughs> Note it very well. You know, you know two of them sound similar. You know it sounds similar. Godliness. Worldliness. Godliness. Worldliness. Bible is very careful. He didn't say according to what? Worldliness. We say what? Godliness. Now, look at the description of such people. He is proud, knowing nothing, but talking about questions and strife 
of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of truth. Now look at the punchline. Supposing that gain is godliness. Gain. That televangelist I mentioned to you in America, do you know what he told his congregation when he demanded for a third private jet? He said, do you think Jesus, if you are to be on earth today, will be riding on a donkey? That's what he told the congregation. Then he told them again that Jesus told him, if you want to come up to where I am up there, bleed my people. Do you know what bleeding my people is? Get donations from them. Extract donations from them and buy a third jet so that you come up there. What a travesty of lies and falsehood. This is what is called profiteering. Profiteering with the word of God. That's actually what brother Paul was warning. That these people think that religion, godliness is for gain. What is the last message there? Do what? Withdraw yourself from what? Such people. The reason is that they can influence you. They can influence your thoughts. Then it confirms the way you reason. Now, my brother, please can you read Second Peter two fifteen to seven in Living Bible? Yes, yeah, since you have Living Bible, I plead with you. After reading Second Peter, from verse fifteen to seventeen, read Jude verse eleven. The same Living Bible. Thank you. Second Peter chapter two, from verse fifteen to seventeen. They have gone off the road and become lost, like Balaam the son of Ber, who fell in love with the money he could make by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey spoke to him with a human voice, scolding and rebuking him. These men are as useless as dried up springs of water, promising much and delivering nothing. They are as unstable as cloud, driven by the storm winds. They are doomed to the eternal pits of darkness. Hmm. That last judgment is terrible. Do you know what it means? Their end is what? Destruction. That's what the Bible is saying there. So let's be careful, brethren. Continue. Now read verse 11. Okay. Of Jude. Jude verse 11. Yes. Woe upon them. For they follow the example of Cain. Who killed his brother. And like Balaam. Balaam has been mentioned again. Can you see that? Balaam. Second time. The spirit of Balaam. That prophet in the Old Testament. And the Bible says that the Lord sent. The brother that, that King Balak called in order to curse the children of Israel. But even though he refused to curse them, but the man 
profiteer. He was a profiteer. As a prophet, he used his ministry to seek for gain, personal gain. So the Bible is warning against that spirit. That's what that scripture is saying again. And look at the end. Finish that verse. Like Balaam, yes, they will do anything for money. For money. And like Koran, they have disobeyed God and will die under his curse. They will, they, what is the end? They will die under his curse. It's terrible. I want to end this message with what John Newton said. John Newton is the one that wrote the last hymn in ancient and modern. A wretched sinner that saved. Then when he was saved, he made a statement that there will be three surprises in heaven. The person you think that may be there may not be there. The person you think who will not be there may be there. And finally, you yourself may not be there. I don't know whether that statement has passed a message to you. It has passed a message to me. That we are running a race, a serious race. A race that we ought to commit our lives ourselves in order to meet the Redeemer. Don't look at men. That is what I have learned. No matter how we elevate them. Don't look at them. Be like the Berean Christians. Who, after they have heard, they went back to search the scripture. To see whatever they have been told is uh, correct. But the generation we have today is a generation that has left the word of God. For the men of God. And the men of God have become to us God of men. That is why I love this setting I operate here. I love the orthodox setting I operate. Where we can never elevate ourselves and draw attention to ourselves. Because as John Calvin said, the human mind is an idol making factor. The human mind. An idol making factor. If you allow the human mind, before you know it, you make idol of men. And there is nothing God hates as men sharing his glory. And that is why you can look at the terrible judgment awaiting people that propagate and preach this pattern of the gospel. Worldliness. Deviating people from the kingdom lifestyle. And deviating people from the master. To end this message. I have said, and I will say it again, according to the way the Lord has laid it in my heart. Worldliness really matters. Because the end is a terrible judgment. Don't say it does not matter. The final admonition is found in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. 
Somebody with a loud voice, read it for me. Whether in King James Version. If I read it in King James Version, I like the way it's rendered there. And we are going to pray. Before you read, I want you to listen. Why I say we should listen to this last scripture. God is telling us that what that holiness we think does not really matter. Really matters. God is saying it's like a cancer to the church today. What matters to him? Kingdom lifestyle. And there is something God is saying we should turn our backs to and face. Can our sister ready for us? Yes. You are man of God. Flee these things. All these things we have been saying today. Righteousness. One. Godliness. Two. Faith. Faith. Love. Patience. Gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. Lay hold on eternal life. Yes. To which you were also called. Yes. And have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Thank you very much. Let us pray. There are two territories. The world and the kingdom of God. If you claim to be a child of God, a disciple of Jesus, you must have been converted from the world to the kingdom of God. Ask yourself the question, have I really been converted Have I surrendered all and not some to Jesus? Today is an opportunity. God gives his children grace, an opportunity to make amends. Today can be a day of amendment to your life. So, God wants you to take a simple action today. An action of faith moving from one territory to another territory where Jesus is Lord and is in control. Because when you move into that territory, you begin to live in your life the kingdom lifestyle. Are you a child of God? But you are still living like as if you are in the world. And you say it does not really matter. But God has said today it really matters. Today is an opportunity to make amends. I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender. Father, we come to you in repentance. Lord, forgive us in any way, O God, we have conformed to this world. Father, O God, King of glory, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon our children. 
Have mercy, O God, upon the church. Any way, O God, we have tempted to the world. Father, forgive us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, O God, that righteousness, that the fear of the Lord, that love and faith shall be our portion. That we shall walk in the counsel of the Lord. In spite of what is happening, in spite of the noises that we are hearing, O God, O God around us, in spite of the doctrines and heresies that is going about in our generation, Father, we are praying, O God, that you will help us to walk in the path of righteousness in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, O God, as many that have been caught into this web, Father, we pray for your deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, eternal Father. We give you all the honor, we give you praise. Because you will hold us, you will deliver us from the world and from the things of this world. From the things, oh God, that, that, oh God, makes our vision for you to be blood. Father, deliver us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, eternal Father. Thank you for your servant whom you have used. To be a blessing to us this morning. Lord, we pray that your blessing shall rest upon him. That you will lead him from glory to glory. From one height to the other. And prosper his ministry the more. And enlarge his territory in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for hearing us, O God. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed.